Hey everybody, I'm Carolyn Elliott. And this is Layla Bernard. And you are listening to the Sleep Over podcast. So it's been a while since Layla and I recorded a podcast and um, we have had a whole lot going on. Just really a whole lot, man. And I figured we should, you know, check back in with all y'all. Like the last podcast that we did, we were talking about the People's Convoy, which I was really jazzed about. And then that turned out to be quite disappointing. I don't, I mean, I think they circled the Beltway, but they didn't actually have any confrontation of the sort that happened in Canada. No incredible revolution was achieved. It fizzled out. Bummer. But then the Pluto return of America does seem to be linking up with um, war with Russia. So, hey. We got that. We got that going for us the stars don't lie the stars don't lie it's just sometimes hard to predict what they're saying i was so amazed okay we don't have to talk about politics i promised layla we wouldn't really talk about politics but i was mostly because layla's an idiot and knows nothing about nothing i was just kind of amazed to read that like biden had recently said that it's time for regime change in russia basically like threatening to oust putin by force i mean that's that's the only way that that statement could be interpreted by Putin himself. Oh, USA, up to your old shenanigans. And I was just like, really, I was like, I was like, Biden, why? Why start a war <laughs> with Russia? Like, wow. <laughs> that's the whole, all of, I mean, haven't we been trying to avoid a war with Russia for, for like a really good long time now? Why poke the bear? I don't understand whose benefit that could be. I mean, I, I don't know. Because the Pluto return, because the Pluto return, Karen, because Pluto just loves to shake things up and cause massive alchemical explosive transformation. So, yeah, it doesn't give a shit about whether we die or not. Yeah, I guess what has me extra spooked (laughs) is I talked to this um, acquaintance of mine who I recently met, who is the leader of a famous investment firm that I won't mention their name and everything because we're definitely not giving financial advice not giving financial (laughs) advice and not trying to implicate anybody in association with our disreputable selves but (laughs) the (laughs) but she showed me she was giving a little meeting and a little like download about what is going on and she showed us all these charts about how what's happening right now in the global markets corresponds very neatly with what happened right before World War One and World War Two, and basically like there's the ramping up, like the the wealth inequality corresponds, the rate of inflation corresponds, the rise in oil prices corresponds, the apparently the companies connected to military and defense have been ramping up since the fall, which impl- she said implies to her that the people in Washington already know that there's going to be a war and, you know, because the Congress gets to do insider trading, which is like one of the most mind-blowingly corrupt things ever. Like, you know that it's completely legal, like it's legal for Congress people to act upon their information Secret, and invest upon it yeah it's like part of what makes congress um amazingly owned by corporations anyways so um she she just said that it's basically like all signs in the markets point to world war three being like upon us and that is of course very chilling to hear um 
And, you know, what What the heck is a person supposed to do about that? Like, Utter, uh, surrender. Utter yeah. surrender, Caroline, <laughs> Utter surrender. Is the answer. Utter surrender. Utter surrender is the answer. That's... Which takes us to our topic for today. <laughs> the only thing we have the power to do is admit that we are powerless. <laughs> yeah. So, like, part of, part of what's been going on with me and, like, why I haven't had the mental space to record a podcast recently is because I decided to go back to the 12 step fellowship that saved my life when I was a teenager. I'd been away from it for uh, several years and I was just like, you know what? Um, I think we're, I was better off there. I think let's go back there. Yeah, well, I mean, full disclosure to our amazing podcast listeners. I don't know if this is going too far, but we did try to record you guys a podcast <laughs> And then found ourselves too loopy and too crazy and not not really making sense. So we decided that um, enough was enough. We wanted to be more lucid (laughs) so that we could really share something of value with our beloved friends. Yeah, we tried to record a podcast on emptiness. And we got too fucking empty. Too empty. empty. (laughs) And just like babbling, pure babble. And I was like... I, I mean, so... it probably wasn't as bad as we thought it was, but it was a it was a wake up call. It was a wake up call for sure. You know, there's one thing to be said for emptiness, and there's another thing to be said for vapidity. Yeah, vacuity. and we know that the Bryans of the world love to accuse us of being vapid already. So <laughs> we don't want to give our give our haters any more ammunition than they already have. Yeah. So exactly. So we decided to join up with a. Uh, anarchist straight edge club also known as the 12 step fellowship and and, it's, really... and you know it's the beloved community so far as i can tell mm-hmm. i mean man i've been really enjoying uh really enjoying just the unconditional love you know and that yeah and just well yeah Layla and i were talking about the other night like one of the reasons why 12 step fellowships are so great it's because I kind of feel like they're sort of like what churches are supposed to be in the sense of like it's a bunch of people who know that they're sinners, who know... There's no denying it. <laughs> There's no denying the lengths of sin to which a person will go. Yes, and they've been... They've sinned so hard and got so out of control with it that they had to cry out for help to a higher power and be truly humbled and truly, you know, um, truly have to let go in the sense of, like, uh, you know, what I love about the first step is, like, ready <coughs> Uh, admitted that our, we were powerless and our lives had become unmanageable. Like, there's something about that, like, we admitted that we were powerless that's, like, truly acknowledging, like, you're fucked. Like, you can't stop <coughs> if you want to. Like, you want to stop. Like, I had made New Year's resolutions not to smoke weed anymore. I just kept smoking weed. Like, you, you, you're of your own power. Nothing's <coughs> gonna change. And anyways, Well, and to circle back to our original topic, like, I feel like the impending crisis of the world also was pushing me into a state of like unmanageability. Like my little tiny pathetic ego brain was really trying to figure out like how I was going to get out of being impacted by the world geopolitical situation and really telling me that Mm -hmm. like I'm an idiot because I don't know how I'm going to like live in that and I don't know what I'm going to do and what is my family going to do and you know how is everything about my life going to be impacted by that? And if I don't, you know, somehow figure out how to triumph over it, then like, that's my own personal failing. And like, 
it was really pushing me into a place of like life is unmanageable and like I can't do anything about it. And it was causing me a lot of pain to be confused that like I should know what to do about it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, yeah, I mean, well, that's something that's so interesting about like believing in one's like autonomous independent power as an ego is like there's so much like guilt and shame and fear that goes with it because it's like resentment resentment like fucking hate the world like there was a period where i was just like really really hating the world for being such a disgusting and awful unmanageable place and like you know maybe that's true in some dimension but like what's the utility of that Mm -hmm. what is the like spiritual utility of hating on anything exactly exactly none and there's some there's so much spiritual utility in simply not hating on anything (laughs) yeah just being like wow i get to be a part of this yeah for me for me recently i feel like i've experienced a lot of um like humility and compassion in the sense of like yeah, I was similarly worrying about things and, like, wanting to set myself apart and comfy, cozy. But, like, there is something amazingly uh, relieving just being, like, I'm actually, like, a helpless human animal just like every other helpless human animal. And it's only by, like, pure grace and accident that I have material comforts. And if, you know... If the material comforts go away, I guess I'll just be in the same boat as all of us other... I mean, I am always in the same... I'm just always extremely vulnerable, and it's always pure accident, (laughs) pure grace that keeps me comfy. And isn't that my connection to all the other human beings, is that we're in in this rocky boat on a stormy sea right (laughs) together yeah and we can be worried about trying to like save our own asses or we can like look at the other people in the boat and be like all right you guys want to like sing a song or like should we bail the water out of this boat or like what are we gonna do here like love you guys you know like glad we're here together indeed indeed that love love within the storm yeah. So lately I've just been really feeling um, gratitude for those teachings of the 12 steps and really like wonder and joy that it is possible to um, recognize the futility of imagining oneself to be an autonomous being. And I feel like I've gotten like a big download recently about the Lama. Like it was so funny. Like I called up my old sponsor and I was like hey would you take me back as a sponsee um and she was like yeah you know I'd be happy to and also I just I would really love to hear your thoughts about how you know the 12 steps reconcile with uh Thalema because I know that you're really into that and isn't Thalema all about will and um I was like well funny thing I've realized okay so right Thalema is do what thou wilt is the whole of the law love is the law love under will that's the essence of Thalema from the book of the law and lately it's been striking me that the statement do what thou wilt is the whole of the law it's not a description of a law like mosaic law like injunctions like you have the option to murder people but don't murder people it's not like that it's like it's a law like gravity, gravity. 
Right. You do what thou, you cannot escape doing what the higher self wills for you to do. And the higher self will put you into bondage, into addiction, as long as, until your little ego stops being delusional and imagining that it's running the show. Well, yeah, and it, I mean, and it will, it will show you that if you do things that are, like, unloving and, like, unkind, you will experience misery or even just have an attitude that's unloving and unkind. Yeah. Yeah. You will just experience misery. And that's not love. Like. Yeah, exactly. But it, but it's like the love of God teaches us that. Let's us. Let's learn. Us, let's us learn. And um, so I've just been really appreciating the way that deeper and deeper levels that Thelema is really just an awesome form of Christian Gnosticism. You know, that's interesting because, like, you know, the do what thou wilt is the whole of the law. Love is the law. Love under will. It is, like, it has often, like, confused me, like, the love under will part. Like, because it kind of, the, like, you know, trick of language makes that sentence have, that statement have, like, two meanings. Where, like, is love subordinate to will? Or is love underpinning and the foundation of all true will. And it's like clearly the second one. It's clearly the second one. And David, my husband David was asking me about this. Um, like how was I understanding love under will? And that's pretty much what I said is that you, by like, by pondering the law of Thelema, it eventually occurs to one, to me, to us at least, that um, love is the substance that is the substratum of consciousness that is so equanimous and so like willing to allow all, um, that that's what love is. Love is. And and when you (laughs) like, and when a person aligns their will with the the authentic substratum of love, then your will becomes wholesome and like positive and healing and contributive and, ultimately more alchemically and like magically effective because it's in harmony with the truth, which is that like love is what wants to be done. Yes. And, and, and this is perfectly canonical in terms of Crowley's stuff too, because he realized that, um, you know, via gematria, the Greek word thelema has the same number as the word agape. Agape, Thelema are both 93. It's the same thing. It's Christ. It's, I mean, that's another term for agape, I guess, is the love of Christ. Truth and truth and love are really identical concepts. Yeah. And it's it's beautiful because the first time that I was in recovery, I really don't, like, I understood that I was powerless over drugs, uh, like that I couldn't successfully use them, but I didn't understand what everybody was on about with like, you can surrender your whole will and life to the higher power because it seemed to me like I still had to figure things out and I still had to control things in life. And go to the grocery store, pay your fucking bills. And I just thought that that was still somehow on me. And what I've been able to like touch upon recently is the way in which like, there's a certain way in which, yeah, I, I, life does ask of those things, but I'm, God doesn't expect me to be able to figure it out with my little linear puny brain. 
like that I am being supported in my journey in whatever <coughs> ways happen, whether, whether that looks like misfortune or good fortune by this, um, by the larger nonlinear, non-dual presence of God. Yeah. Me and Kevin have also started going to the gym. Yeah. We're just becoming real gym rats. We go to the gym. I got a t-shirt that says, all I need is coffee, weights, and Jesus. <laughs> and I'm super jealous of that. <laughs> super envious. I'm going to have to find that. Get one. Um, but, like, I feel like that's another example of, like, you know, the surrender that we've both been experiencing of just, like, I, this is, like, true for me, like, especially. I have, like, been in my life, you know, such a sedentary being. Oh, and my have God, really, me too. Like, oh, my God. suppressed the, like, will of my vital body to be vital and to, like, use its inherent strength and power. And I feel like going to the gym feels much less like an act of, like, willing myself to do something hard and much more like a surrender to the true will of my body's desire for health and vitality and strength. And when I like wake up in the morning and my brain is like, I'm tired. I don't feel like doing that today. I can now be like, okay, little will, little brain, you are resisting the true will of ourself to go and like do some glorious movement and like be strong and healthy. And we're going to actually just surrender to that. And like every time I do it, I never leave the gym and I'm like, I'm so pissed that I spent that hour <laughs> working out. I always like leave the gym in a state of like radical euphoria being like, I didn't even know I could do that. Wow. This is amazing. I learned so many new things about myself and I feel great. And it's just like the true will that I am learning to surrender to is like that health and vitality and like enjoyment mm -hmm. as opposed to like, Oh, that's stupid. And that's hard. And I don't want to. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, um, it's very interesting. I've been pondering this thing recently where <laughs> I, uh, talked to my mentor in Thalema and, um, he verified that I have reached an, a stage of development that I've been trying to reach for a long time, which is um, knowledge and conversation of the Holy Guardian Angel, also known as Tifereth, um, which is like the solar heart consciousness. And one of the things that one is supposed to do after reaching the solar heart consciousness, traditionally within the Golden Dawn Thalamic system, is... Um, to command the princes of hell. That's like in the Abramelin ritual. Abramelin, after completing the union with the angel, then starts summoning all the demons and telling them what to do. And they're the demons that built the temple, Solomon's temple. Um, and the idea is basically like all of the elements of the lower nature or the animal nature. Um, the instinctual urges. The instinctual urges. They get stronger as the heart gets stronger, they become more wily and more um, empowered. Well, because you just have more power more in power your system. flowing through. Yeah, and so I was really contemplating that, and I was telling him about, you know, my recent going back to the 12-step fellowships as, like, I'm like, oh, I can really see that because um, I can just see the ways in which my... 
whatever, like my lust for indulgence and pleasure and my lust for, uh, I don't know, to be admired or all of those things have like gained additional oomph and additional like, um, how do I say magnetism in the sense of like, I, I noticed while I was in the past few months that like, I wouldn't go out and buy weed or do anything like people would just have, it would just, it was just coming, just coming to me. To you. You know, I would just think about it and somebody would have it and it would come to me. Usually. And, me. <laughs> 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 and other people, I assure you, Layla. Yeah, I, I know. I know. <laughs> just for the sake of comedy, Carolyn. <laughs> <laughs> but like, you know, and, and likewise, like some, a foible of my nature has also been, um, you know, getting into romantic imbroglios with uh, inappropriate people, especially inappropriate because I'm monogamously married. Uh, and so even just like I could notice like my ability to attract people willing to have that kind of involvement with me has leveled up as I've leveled up. And I've had to get more sober with that and be like, oh, no, <laughs> that's not actually a thing that should that I need to pursue that I want to pursue that gives me any real benefit and so I can see like I don't know my work now in learning to command the princes of hell really has to do with like putting those um instinctual urges that can be you know put in service to the illusory autonomous ego like putting how so the question is like how how to put that those energies in service to love and the great work and the higher self and the higher self instead of to the gratifications of the lower self. So that's something that I'm pondering. And I was recently listening to um, Damien Eccles, who is a magician that I admire a lot. And he was talking about his um, crossing of the abyss and like crossing the abyss is like the thing that one is, um, after you get grounded in Tifereth, like going forward into the full dissolution of the ego and the full union with um, the divine is what one is to do next. And he was talking about how he did that operation through working with the seven archons. Um, and he invoked the angels that are the opposites of the demonic archons of the planetary... The shadow natures of the demons yeah. are the angels. Exactly. And, um... I don't know, that was just, like, really speaking to me. I was like, wow, that was smart of you, Damien Eccles. Like, he uh, knew. He had to command those hell demons. Yeah. Yeah. And I was really thinking about, you know, like... Venus, like, anyways, I might do a similar operation and, like, work with the planetary energies to, like, uh, yeah, and the shadow sides and the angelic sides of of all of this. Because, like, yeah. This is making me want to plug a YouTube video that I made uh, last summer about the story of Lucifer. Yeah. And the, you know, Lucifer's, like, halcyon cry is, I was born free, I will not serve. And, you know, the, like, shadowy, demonic expression of that is, like, I'm going to do whatever the fuck I want, and no one can tell me what I'm going to do, and I'm going to indulge all of these things, and, like, God be damned, fuck you, God, I don't live in heaven anymore, I'm down here in hell, and I'm going to do it. And, like, how 
this like the evolution of Lucifer's consciousness is to like crash into every obstacle that like that creates and it creates enslavement when you go in the direction of your own little will that says like fuck you god you don't fucking control me i'm free i'm gonna do whatever i want i'm not gonna serve you and eventually lucifer's will is transformed into realizing that like the only way to be free and to not serve the demons of self-destruction is to serve God's will, your authentic will, your real freedom is to serve the higher self's will. And that is the real freedom. And then Lucifer becomes Christ and is just crucified by the like love and surrender to all that is. Yeah. The enantiodromia of like the extreme rebellion becomes the extreme uh, willingness to sacrifice. Yeah. It's fascinating to think about, and it's also fascinating to think about because that same thing with the archons and, um, you know, like, comes from Ophite Christianity, which was a Gnostic Christian sect in the few hundred years after the death of Jesus. And the Ophites had um, a model of the world where there's like the seven planets, the seven archons, and then there's this outer boundary known as, um, oh, they didn't call it Tiamat. They called it, uh, Leviathan. Leviathan. They called it Leviathan. The Great Serpent. Yeah. But pretty much this, I'm pretty sure pretty similar to Tiamat in the Babylonian scheme because the Babylonians also had this plan of ascending through the planetary spheres to reach the boundary, to reach the boundary of chaos and yeah, and the idea is that Leviathan is like the great serpent that um, keeps us in keeps us incarnating. Um, and the idea is like you learn to master that serpent and eat it, and then your soul gets liberated into the realm of the supernals. So be you know above the planetary forces. And I don't know, I just think that's interesting that that comes from the Ophites and what you were saying about, you know, Lucifer is Christ because the Ophites um, identified the serpent in the Garden of Eden story with Christ as a liberatory force who is speaking to Eve and telling her, go ahead and eat that fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And that way you will begin to be able to get free of the demiurge who's telling you what to do. <laughs> well, right. And it's like, you have to become like, right. It's like the knowledge of good and evil is what we're all trying to figure out. Like what is good for us? What is our own evil? Like, and you can't really like learn what evil is unless you do a little bit of it and experience a lot of it and begin to be able to discern Yes. Because otherwise you're just utterly governed by the archons and utterly governed by the urges. And like, there's no freedom mm -hmm. in that state. There's just mm -hmm. following urge and you feel quite powerless and like feel quite put upon and feel quite, you know, small mm -hmm. until you come to like recognize like how to use them appropriately to like amplify the energy of good. Absolutely. And I also love this. Um, I feel like I read this in like a new age, like channeled Jesus book. That's really great. That I think it was called the Christ blueprint. 
And there, it, they, they just, the author of that really succinctly summed up what Christ energy is as like, you know, Christ is that which is able to love and reconcile both good and evil. Like Christ is the reconciler, the redeemer. Well, and this is reminding me of the conversation that we were having at the tea shop the other day about, you know, one of the big confusions that people have in working with as an existential kink is like accidentally suppressing our like revulsion towards things and like our anger towards evil and ugliness in the world. And people somehow, you know, can get themselves quite tied up in the idea that like, you're just supposed to like stuff. But of course, like one of my favorite, because I'm such a like Luciferian Christian, one of my favorite, you know, parables of Jesus is when he like walks into the temple and he sees all the money changers and he's like, fuck this, fuck this. And starts like tossing the tables over and having a huge tantrum and like speaking out against the evil that he sees. And he's like utterly surrendered to his revulsion at this like sinning attitude, this like, you know, uh, what's the right word? Desecration of the holy place. And like, that is a good and holy reaction to things that uh, deserves our approval and surrender to like it is right and good to be upset and disgusted by disgusting things Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and like we don't have to shame ourselves for having those kinds of feelings because they're not wrong right and that the the actual surrender in those cases with existential kink it's not a like oh yeah i just i actually it's not like oh i have to like this thing that i don't like it's I don't like this so much and it's involuntary and that involuntariness is the orgasm is the orgasm like in one taste days they would talk about orgasm is the involuntary like the involuntary limbic system and going into the orgasmic state is basically just being turned on in approval of whatever that response is whether that's tears whether that's sexual climaxing whether that's purging and you know vomiting with revulsion that's it's just the just you know (laughs) right like saying yes to whatever is like authentically Mm -hmm. truly like non-mentally coming through in reaction Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and like not having fear about those reactions not being afraid of one's rage or afraid of one's revulsion but being like oh this is here this is instructing me this is instructing me on the direction of good yeah absolutely and just to be like super technical i would prefer the term response rather than Mm, reaction reaction. sure sure just because i i feel like reaction to me that term implies like more of a mental conditioned egoic thing that's like I'm you know reacting according to like my negative judgment well you're about acting it. there's some like level yeah, of like there is a level performance of yeah exactly whereas like the response is just like the response of the organism to like yeah the situation and you know of course people also sometimes try to apply existential kink directly to their most intense traumas in life which I don't recommend doing I recommend like using existential kink a lot on daily frustrations and getting a lot of success with that and then maybe thinking about applying it to um, traumatic situations after years of practicing with it but I have applied existential kink to my childhood experience of being molested and 
in surrendering to that, I found like there was a huge amount of revulsion that I needed to surrender to and like allow to move through me. So that it would move through. So that it would move through. And, and after it moved through, I was able to have a more equanimous attitude about it and like not see myself as some like terribly tainted shameful creature but rather like really seeing like okay this sort of terrible lamentable child abuse happens in the world and is something that I don't know like you know unites me and connects me with tons of other beings and is nothing to be ashamed about and even though I feel revulsion when I contemplate you know the ongoing happening of that and all of the terrible child trafficking in the world and things like that I also can have compassion for the people perpetrating it because it's like god damn how much suffering do you have to be in of like you cannot feel your own vulnerable joy or sadness and so you have to basically like my theory about that is that people who abuse children are um they're trying to get in touch with that vulnerable um innocence innocence and response to sensation because they they cannot contact it within themselves they're so alienated from themselves so anyways big a big ball of suffering um but that doesn't get resolved just through um wishing that it should never happen i or how do i say this not not that it should never hmm. there's a distinction that i've been interested in lately that i've been talking to layla about that um an advaita teacher named wayne lickerman makes he's in the tradition of ramana maharshi he makes this distinction between um you know not liking something is not suffering or arguing with reality. The not liking is a natural response of the organism. It's where we get into thinking that something should not be, that the argument with reality comes, and that that state of like feeling like something is completely wrong with the universe is, suffering. you know, is, is suffering and is psychotic because there's nothing wrong fundamentally with the universe. The universe is doing its thing and it includes terrifying dark things that are asking to be integrated and asking to be healed. Understood. Understood. Yeah. So I've, so I I think that's like a super important point that like bears repeating that like, it's not the like discomfort of pain that is suffering. Like pain is just pain and it moves and it ends and it's over. Suffering is like being in pain and then telling yourself that like something is fucked up and like wrong about the fact that you're in pain and that like you're a loser for being in this painful situation or other people are assholes for putting you in this painful situation or like God is evil and like it should never have been allowed to happen and like that mm-hmm. that's the that's keynote. hell that's hell right yeah. Yeah. yeah like you can accept your pain but like suffering in essence is a state of non-acceptance yes yes Absolutely. And sometimes, like, I mean, I think about this, like, you know, like, I think about this in terms of, like, many things. Like, when you really accept your discomfort and anger and frustration and, like, rage at a situation, 
if you really accept that that's how it's making you feel, all of those energies of like, no, bring information about like what to do about it. Mm -hmm. And when you try to like suppress those feelings of like, ah, then you're like not, you're putting all of your energy into like not feeling the, you know, magnetic repulsion, Mm -hmm. which like repulsion is a motive force. It like pushes you away from the thing. And if you give in to your revulsion, just like you would give into your attraction, it will move you to somewhere else. Indeed. Yes. And there's something, um, that I also think about in connection with that. Oh boy. Where was it? It was just in my brain. Um, well, lost it. Well, I mean, I mean, this is making me think of like, even, you know, when I used to be a physics teacher and like taught about electricity and magnetism, it's like, you know, the poles of a magnet that repel and attract can never exist in isolation. So in essence, any repulsion is just, you know, the other side of an attractive loop. Oh yes. Like it's, it's a loop. It's a loop. It's a continuous loop. And if you're on one side of it, it's pulling you towards. And if you're on the other side of it, it's it pushing you away, but it's always going in the same direction. It's not, it doesn't, it doesn't ch- like, it's all one thing. And so any no is really just a yes that you haven't found the other side to yet. But if you go in the direction of no, it turns into yes, right? Feel like fully. Yeah. yeah. Fully. If you yeah. fully surrender to it, it's pushing you in the yes direction. Yeah. Oh, I know what that was making me think of. Something like something that I've pondered has to do with like, okay, so getting angry, like anger can be very pure and very like direct. So like, um, sages can get angry. Jesus, right? In the temple, angry. Nisarg- Nisargadatta. Nataraj. N- n- yeah. You're right. Yeah. Uh, he apparently got angry all the time with people when they didn't like understand what he was saying. <laughs> and, but I was thinking that there's a distinction between anger and resentment and like resentment, the way that I understand it for me, it's like an experience of man. I shouldn't have to feel angry. Like I shouldn't have to be feeling Poor this. put upon me, put upon me. I should somehow be exempted from the experience of the unpleasantness of anger and pain. And that's where I get resentful. And that's where I get like poisonous. And also like controlling because then you're like Mm -hmm. looking at the world being like, how can I control this or you or anyone or anything and make it so that I won't have to feel this way. Yes. As opposed to just being like, wow, I'm angry, moving away from this, mm-hmm. like allowing the motive force to like take you in the direction where like you would not be angry anymore because mm-hmm. you'd be away from the thing that is angering. Mm-hmm. Yes, exactly. So, yeah, deep thoughts, deep thoughts about existential kink and surrender. And that's what it is. Existential kink essentially is just like a a sexy form of surrender and forgiveness. Like when one really gets off in existential kink, one is letting go of the negative resentful form of judgment, like judging, judging against, like I was just telling Layla, um, wonderful Dr. Robert McDonald that I've been learning so much from about coaching and hypnosis and everything. 
he makes this distinction. The way that he talks about it is that the, um, like the human mind is always judging. It's not possible to not judge, but it's possible to judge positively. In other words, to judge that anything that anybody is doing has some positive motivation behind it. Like the most nefarious billionaire pulling the strings of the Russian-American conflict or whatever is happening, they have some positive intention, even if that positive intention is only to make themselves richer so that they can be safe, so that they can feel happy. You know, that's, So they can protect their own children or the people that they are focused on caring about in right, whatever narrow in way. some Martian bunker or something. <laughs> Whatever, it is, whatever it is, it's like that's a positive intention. And it, it sure, it might have unskillful or detrimental methods attached to it. Yeah, or like limited perspective. But nonetheless, it's a, there's a positiveness to it that one can feel, um, you know, sympathetic to, understanding of. And that that understanding and that sympathy, when I contemplate it, makes it be like, okay, so whatever these nefarious folks are doing, they're not fundamentally different from me. They're not like these non-human um, people that I have nothing to do with. They're, they're exactly like me. They just have a different perspective and a different set of methods. And, you know, and, and probably their set of methods is making them quite miserable. And I hope that they get a set of methods for fulfilling their intentions for happiness that actually makes them happy. That, that's my wish. <laughs> And that way I don't have to resent them and I don't have to fear, fear them or feel alienated from them in a way that I might if I was just like, oh my God, these people are completely incomprehensible and terrible and should be destroyed, right? I have no right to exist. Yeah. Indeed. Yeah, which co- connects to that finite and infinite games piece. Right, that like the only... The only- real true definition of evil is to try to stop others from doing evil. <laughs> try to eliminate evil, come up with the final solution to, to, to evil. evil. <laughs> that's that's the only that's the only evil that can be done is trying to search for the final solution to evil. Yeah, cuz I mean it's really a matter of limited perspective and, you know, pain and suffering on the part of the person who's doing whatever is perceived as evil. They're not doing evil mm-hmm. in their own cosmology. Yeah, they're not like waking up in the morning and making their coffee and being like, ooh, 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 gonna do some evil today. <laughs> like, No, they're... they're like out there thinking about how to make the world a better place from their own schema mm-hmm. of what would make the world a better place. Mm-hmm. And like, I mean, that's like the essence of rapport and hypnotism and like being able to like move something for someone is to be able to like get on the side of what they're really all about. Precisely. Yeah. Because, like, and, and I love that, and that's been so helpful to me to contemplate in my coaching life, is that um, things don't, like, we can't influence anything that we believe should not exist. Like, we can only exert influence on whatever we are able to be in rapport and sympathy with. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and it's, you know, I mean, you and David were talking about the, like, left-handed path of will and the, you know, potential apparent superficial conflict between that and surrender. But, you know, I was thinking when you were talking about that earlier, how, like, well, 
even in like, you know, magic of like manifestation magic or like, you know, any kind of magic that you're doing, you're not imagining that you yourself are going to do it. You are like making a petition to the gods (laughs) that actually control shit, not you, (laughs) and being like, hey... (laughs) Wouldn't this be nice? Isn't this what you're all about? Don't you think that this could be a cool thing for you to also contribute your amazing God will to? Like, you're not actually imagining that you would accomplish it. Mm -hmm. Like, you are getting into rapport with a power greater than yourself and, like, beseeching from your, like, powerless place the, the help of the like higher planetary powers that like actually make things happen. Yes, indeed. That that is pretty much how it goes. Although um there it does just to speaking about the occult community like rhetorically there is um there's a group called the Temple of Set which is very interesting and the Temple of Set is very interested in, they call it the principle of isolate intelligence. Mm. And the, be, with Set as the god of the principle of isolate intelligence. And there is some sense in Setian magic that like somehow the magician's will alone is doing things. Which I don't really understand and it's not quite my vibe. But I do, um, I have learned interesting things from Setian magical writing well i'm just an idiot who knows nothing and (laughs) also um where does the magician's individual will even fucking come from precisely you know that's like i mean really i just would encourage anyone to like listen to my little lucifer story that i told really well (laughs) on my youtube video because i think it really wraps it up that like i mean i really had a deep deep understanding of like your little will is infinitely powerful when it's in alignment with the greater will yes yes and isn't it funny that like i don't know i mean i just think it's so funny like if if our if our little individual wills were so so powerful like why aren't we all completely you know gorgeous <laughs> like amazingly physically fit super rich <laughs> people it's like there's it's quite limited (laughs) individual even of the most and the most amazing you know some of the most dedicated occultists are some of the most ugly poor people (laughs) (laughs) i hope you're not listening dedicated occultists i mean i'm a dedicated occultist too (laughs) it's just you know yeah i've I've noticed i've been to a few conventions Yeah, they may not have gotten the they may not have gotten the memo that like thy will be done, but like who is really the thou? What's the real who's the real actor here? Yes. Who's the real you? And I mean there are there are plenty of of sexy, Hot. prosperous, amazing occultists, so I'll say that let's, too. Let's not be let's not <laughs> let's be fair here. Yeah. <laughs> But there is, of course, also the, like, I live in my mom's basement and listen to death metal sort of brand of... And the Sleepover <laughs> Podcast with Carolyn and Layla. <laughs> and there's the Sleepover Podcast. <laughs> oh. Are you trying to say I live in my mom's basement, Layla? Wait, no, no, no. I'm just, I'm just laughing. I'm just laughing. I'm just laughing that, like, there's so many... Like, God's will is infinite. Like... 
God's will is infinite. I'm just, clearly, I'm just still a little bit salty and resentful about the magicians I've dated who do live in their mom's basement. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, like, what's wrong with living in your mom's basement? Don't judge. <laughs> it's just not your preference, Karen. It's not my preference. It's not your preference. It's not your thing. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> Anyways, everybody, we just wanted to, you know, well, we, obviously we want to keep talking with you and, and sharing our our stuff so we're checking in after a sort of a hiatus hopefully we'll check in more we have another sleepover mystery school weekend coming up and boy the last one was such a doozy in terms of like what it launched for me internally and what it seems to have launched for a lot of other people involved um so who knows when we'll next be capable of recording a podcast after we do this thing in my <laughs> I hope we get super excited to record one like right before. That's what I'm hoping. That so, would like, be great. We get we get real real high on the Holy Spirit and mm-hmm. inspired and are able to commune with our beloved community at least once before we go and then we'll have an update. Yes. Afterwards. Absolutely. After so we recover psychically. So I just want to say thank you for tuning in. Like there's about, we have about a thousand regular listeners and you guys are clearly like amazing, beautiful, heart open geniuses. The fact that you care to listen to this stuff tells me that you're really on an amazing vibe and I freaking love you. And, um, I hope that you, you know, whatever service you're listening on, click the subscribe button, leave us a little review that helps us get uh, more folks to tune in and realize the ultimate beautiful freeing power of the surrendered will. Yes, absolutely. So um, thank you. And thank you for the grace that animates all of us and um, have a wonderful day, everybody. Yeah. Peace.